So we have to do some work to understand the Old Testament, but there's great payoff for us in our faith as we move into the New Testament. We're looking at Abraham, if you know uh, a little bit about the Bible, Abraham is a key figure in the Bible. Um, a couple reasons why he is important. This is by way of introduction of our series. Uh, the first is that the Abraham stories, the narratives, really hold, in some sense, the Bible. In the first 11 chapters, uh, Abraham brings it together in a new way as God does this same but different thing with Abraham. But then Abraham, as we look forward, opens us up to the whole of Scriptures, but God begins to make progressive covenants with His people. Those are promises. As He moves into the New Testament, as Israel moves to the church, as we move to Jesus, the Messiah, all of those things, Abraham's at the very front of that. In fact, one commentator said this, that the call of God to Abraham, which is what we're going to talk about today, is the sneak preview for the rest of the Bible. So this this section of Scripture is important. It's going to have merit to us to understand the Bible, which is obviously the place where our faith is nourished and fed. Second reason that Abraham is important is it speaks so much of faith. Abraham is the father of faith, right? Um, the New Testament says uh, these in a couple of verses. I think I put them up there. Did I put those up there? Will you skip that and go to the next and see if the verses are up there? One more. There we go. There's a couple of verses. Uh, there's tons of verses in the New Testament about Abraham. Here's a couple. Galatians 3, 7. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are faith who are sons of Abraham. Right? You remember? Father Abraham had many sons. Had many. You remember that? Come on. Here we go. So this is the closest to singing I'll ever get from the pulpit. But there you go. Right? There's Abraham. We're, we're sons of him in some regard. Well, again, we're not... Jewish, so how are we connected? We've got to understand the story of Abraham. It says again in Galatians, And if you belong to Christ, that's Christians, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Katie just read Hebrews 11. Most of Romans chapter 4 is about Abraham and his faith, and we'll see that as we move forward. And so we study Abraham because we need to know about faith, because this whole Christian life is about faith. Um, Abraham helps us envision a world that's not yet. We'll see that today. We'll see that through the next few weeks. Um, he's somewhere, but he's just a man with a family, and he's going to move into this thing that becomes a great nation by faith. Um, Ryan and I were reflecting not too long ago. Two years ago, we were nothing of Christ's Redeemer. We were an idea. We should maybe plant a church. Grace Community Church had the idea. We had the thought. Last year at this time, we had raised a bunch of money, we'd been praying, and we'd gathered, a few of us were here, right? We weren't a church yet, we hadn't had a service, but the idea was there, and we kept trucking along by faith, we're approaching one year, lots of new things are happening, new opportunities, discipleship groups, Sunday schools, God's doing things, trying to reach out and connect to new people, all of this through a journey, our own journey of faith, which is the way the, the kingdom of God moves, which is the way the church moves. Abraham, the father of faith, teaches us what it means to live by faith in the unseen. That applies to us personally, that applies to us as a church in many ways. Finally, Abraham helps us understand the nature of God and of Christ. This is why Abraham is so important. It's not just because he teaches about faith, though he does. It's because Abraham fails. 
Abraham struggles. Abraham is this great champion. He, he steps out on the call. At the end, he's going to even offer his son, his only son, Isaac. But he doubts. Twice, not once, but twice, he passes his wife off as his sister to save himself. Right? He doesn't believe in the promises of God. He does believe and he doesn't believe. And so then he, he has his, his servants to have a child because he doesn't trust in the promises. But then Hebrews says he does trust in the promises. I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's kind of like us. We don't know really what we are. We believe. We are unbelief. We struggle. We wrestle. And so Abraham helps us because in Abraham, in this narrative of Abraham, we get a glimpse into the character of God. And we get a glimpse into the character of God. We understand the magnitude. The magnitude of his faithfulness and his goodness towards us. The story of Abraham, like all the patriarchs, is not really about Abraham. It's the story of the Bible, which is the story of God and his pursuit and his relentless nature to love and gather a people for, him, for himself. Justin Hawar was teaching class in there. It was speaking of that, God's desire to bless. And that's exactly what we'll be talking about here today. Abraham's important for those reasons. He takes us to God. And when we take us to God, we see not his story. We see our story. The story of who we are, the story of our lives. And so when we sing songs or read scripture and we say, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a weightiness hits us because we know something of the magnitude of that reality. Our text today is Genesis 12, 1 to 9. Would you mind standing one more time as I read? The story begins in 11, verse 27. It begins with a genealogy. Genesis works that way. Here are the life of, and it tells the genealogy of Terah. That's Abraham's father. We're going to skip those few verses, but that's where it begins. We're going to start in verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1 to 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he had departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all, they, and all their possessions they had gathered, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Marah, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country and onto the east of Bethel and pitched his tent and with Bethel on the west and A on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'm going to pray for us as we come to God's Word. Jesus, we thank you once again and ask that you would bless us as we come to your Word. Would you speak to us? Would you minister to us? Uh, we come tonight in different places. Some of us are wondering right now why we're talking about such an ancient story. Some of us come eager. Some of us come worn out and tired and overwhelmed. Some of us are burdened by our sin and shame and we feel crushed. Some of us have had a pretty good week. But your commitment is that you meet your people where they are. And so we ask that as we preach and read and hear your word that you would meet us in this place 
Minister to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the story here, this is where it begins. Abram is called by God. We're going to see a couple of things. We're going to see the call of Abram. We're going to see um, the promises of God to him. And then we're going to see the goal of those promises. And at the end, we're going to try to apply this to our lives in the 21st century in Mobile in some way, in some shape, and see how we can do that. The first, the command of Abram. I'll use Abram, Abraham. His name gets changed later if you know the story. It's, it's a little, we'll talk about that, but forgive me if that's confusing. It's the same person. The command of Abram, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. The Lord speaks to Abram. He comes to him and speaks to him. We don't know how. Text doesn't tell us. Uh, some way, Abram heard the Lord which is interesting because there's nothing in Abram's past that tells us that he knew the Lord. Abram's father was Terah, who came from Ur. They moved to Haran. There's a map we'll see in a second. You got a map here? I think we do. Oh, look at that. We have a map. Uh, Ur is where his parents came, his family. They moved up to Haran. Both Ur and Haran were pagan cultures, worshipped the moon cult, the moon gods. Both his wife and his brother's wife were named after uh, pagan cult goddesses and so there's nothing in the story today that says this is a God-fearing man we don't have that in fact quite the opposite there's no great faith of Abram so he gets this great call no he's the pagan man like most of the culture and in the middle of that he gets this command from the Lord a radical command to leave his his family that would be his extended family to go to a land which he does not know, to start a new life. Undisclosed area, he gets this command. What's interesting is that in the end of chapter 11, his father, they were in Ur, down here in the bottom right, Babylon, Babylonian, Babylon, Tigris-Euphrates River there, the area where somewhere around there the Garden of Eden was. And they got this call to go, and no, didn't get a call, his dad Terah said, I want to go to the land of Canaan. And so he starts on this venture up, but then he gets to Haran. He says, you know what, Haran's pretty nice. Let's just stop here. It was a family decision. You know, this was best for the family. Haran's a nice place, but they'd heard of this area called the land of Canaan. But there was no call. There was no God bringing forth. There was just, let's move here. Here's a nice place. Let's settle here. So Abram is there, and then he gets this call. This call of God to take up and to move to a new place, to forsake his security, to forsake what he's known, to forsake the world he's lived in, and go to an undisclosed place to live. You see why he's going to be the father of faith, to denounce his own resources and to go and to trust. In many ways, he's going to say there's a new way. The world, our culture, is living in a way that we follow our own instincts. How do you make decisions? You decide what you want to do, where you want to go. You decide with the culture. And now he hears a call from the Lord. He responds to this call in a new way of life. As I'm going to follow and go, and then you're going to tell me to stop, and then I'm going to settle, and I'm going to live my life listening in obedience to you. Father of faith, the call of Abram. Quite a call. It's God's sovereign choice to pick him, to call Abram and his family. And the amazing thing is, he does it. There's the path, Haran at the top. He moves down into the land of Canaan. So 
Verses 4 through 9 tell us that, that they moved down. In verse 6, Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moriah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So he follows God, follows the call, he ends up there, and there's the Canaanites are in the land. Quite amazing faith. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Why would he take that call? He doesn't know the Lord. He gets this voice, something, go. Second, because of the promises of God. The end of verse 1 into verse 3. In your father's house, I will give to, 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 to the land that I will show you. Go to your father's house, the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing Abraham goes, we, we give him a lot of credit for having faith, and he does have faith, it's hard. But the, uh, this passage is front-loaded with promises. <laughs> more than almost any of the other patriarchs, more than any other figure, God gives him the tons of promises. I want you to do something radical, I want you to follow me with your life, it's a scary, unknown world, but you're going to follow me, but I'm going to give you great incentive to do this. He says these words in verse 2, I will make to you, it's covenant language. I want you to do this thing, yes, yeah, hard, but I am pledging my obligation to you to do some really, really big things and blessings. Do you see that? So Abram, it's faith, but God is enticing him with these promises to give him, to give him something great. What are the promises associated with this command? One, he's going to give him a great land. It says, the land that I will show you. It's a land, a place for his family, a place for his livestock, a place to go. When he gets there and he stops, God says, here it is, look to your right. Boom, there it is. This is the land that I will give to your offspring. See all this? Oh, it's beautiful. Later on, he's going to say, a land of milk and honey. He's, the Lord is enticing him to follow by faith with this great land. If you know the Bible, Justin mentioned a little bit earlier in this class, the Bible's always about land. There's a land aspect. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, and they had this land. God wanted to be in a beautiful place. He wanted to take care of it, and they wanted to cultivate it. And that garden was to grow and grow and grow to fill the whole earth, right? But they sinned, and they're out of the garden, and so what are they doing? Where are the, where are the people of God to this point? They wander. They're here, they're Noah, they're nomads. Now we don't even have a line of the faithful, they're, they're pagans. But God says, no, you're supposed to be in a land, I want to bless you. So he promises them rich land. He promises them a great nation. He promises him a great nation. I will make of you a great nation. Um, so from one man, it's going to become this amazing nation. That's pretty enticing. If you're an ambitious guy, you know, that's not a bad thing, you know. It, it implies that there's going to be offspring, there's going to be a child, which is also enticing because in the end of, verse chapter 11, end of chapter 11, his wife Sarah was, it says, barren. She couldn't have children. It says a few verses later that Abraham is 75 years old, so he's getting up there, fairly desperate, but wait a second, through me... You're going to break this great nation. That's enticing. That's appealing. It may be unbelievable, so it's going to require faith. That's why he's the father of faith. 
but it's pretty appealing. The Lord is enticing him that he will be great and have a great nation both in number and in significance. The third and final blessing is that you will have a great name, a great land, a great nation, a great name. I will bless you, God says, and make your name great. Uh, Abram was a no-name guy in Haran. His father, no-name guy. But I'm going to make your name great. It's going to be significant. It's going to be known in the ancient uh, Near East to, to have a great name, was to have a great reputation, to be of superior character. You're going to be known for who you are. It's appealing. The Lord is enticing him and drawing him because you see, this call of Abram causes, it, it requires faith, but it's just the beginning. It's like us. God calls us by faith. We take baby steps. <laughs> if we go to the end of the story, we keep moving through greater and greater levels of faith to the very end. The Lord is going to see, is it really about me or is it about the blessings I've given you? Remember the son, Isaac? He's going to ask him to give up his son, his only son. So the Lord is enticing him. He's drawing him. Yes, to obey with these great promises. And these promises are summed up in one word, and that word is to bless. God's desire for Abram is to bless him. In verses 1 to 3, you've heard that word five times. Be a blessing, bless, 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 bless. It occurs five times in chapters 1 through 11, and in three verses, it five times. God says, I want to bless you. There's no reason Abraham was not a man of faith, wasn't a man of great reputation, he wasn't a great of great status. God chose him to bless him. We can think about that more for our own lives. But the blessing is bigger than Abraham. This is really the crux of the t- text. The blessing is bigger than Abraham. I'm throwing a lot of content. There's a lot of information here. This will help us as we move forward in the weeks ahead. But So try to hang in there with me. But the blessing of Abram is much more than the blessing of Abraham. Final thing. Verse three, number 3. I want you to see not only the call of Abram, the promises of God, but I want you to see the goal. The goal of the call and of the promises. He says this in verse 2. I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And in him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be. One man in Haran, a pagan guy, going to move to a new land. And the whole world is going to be blessed through you. What he told him. Wow. Had a pretty good life here in Haran. That's not a bad deal. I mean, might as well give it a shot. Let's pack up. We're going to head down. I don't know where we're going. The wife's a little nervous, you know. But God promises to bless him, but the goal and the blessing is never for him exclusively. It's through him to bless the world. Command to go, motivated by the promises, but the purpose is to bless the world. This is where Abraham becomes so per- important in the Bible. Do you, do you know what Adam and Eve were supposed to do? Where were they? They were in a land, right? Eden. And they were called to be 
fruitful and multiply and what? Fill the earth. They weren't supposed to stay there. They were supposed to grow. They were subdue the earth to take care of the land so that the whole earth would be blessed and it would flourish. That the glory of God would start in a small place in the center of the globe and it would expand and blessing would come. But you know what happened? They failed, right? They took the blessing and they made, it a, they made life about the blessing and they wanted to be God and they wanted to take the blessing for themselves and they didn't want to share what God had given. They sinned. They made life about the blessing, not about blessing others. And so they were kicked out. They were barred from the garden. In chapters 3 through 11, to get us to this chapter 12, is a really sad story. (laughs) It's the uncreation. It's the unraveling of the world when we take the blessing of God for ourselves and we fail to bless. When we take what God gives and we say, no, it's mine. The first encounter after the garden, literally they just got out of the the garden, were kicked out. Two brothers murdered each other. They killed each other. And then the one, Cain, who survives, his line is one of greed and one of arrogance and one of selfishness. And we see that played out in godlessness. So we get to chapter 6, these words say this. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Did you hear that? How do we get from Genesis 1 and 2, walking with God in the cool of the day, right with God, right with one another, right with the earth and creation and purpose and meaning, life has fulfillment, our tasks have meaning, to now we kill each other, to now every intent of our heart is evil, continually on ourselves and wicked. How do we get there? Man was supposed to bless the nature of God, and yet we've made it about us. And there's Noah, God basically wipes, let's start over. (laughs) He saves a family, he wipes out the rest. A few generations later, they're back in the same place. Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. This is what it says, verse 4, chapter 11. The people say, come, let us build ourselves a city. Not disperse, not bless, let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. You were called to disperse. You were called to give the blessing away. They said, let's come together. Let's build our name. Let's reach the heavens. We are God. We are in charge. We are in control. What they said. Let's care about ourselves. Sin has turned blessing into self righteousness. And then we get to chapter 12 and we get this call of Abram, this random pagan guy. Now, the question you should be asking, and I should be asking, we're probably not. Um, why does God do that? I mean, this is, a, this is many years have taken place here. Like, why is God still dealing with humanity? What must the heart of God be like to still contend with the wickedness of man? We should be asking that. We get to 12. God calls Abram. Why is he not just done with the whole thing? 
I would be done, you would be done, we would be done, right? I'm done with my kids in five minutes when they're disobedient. I'm done, right? Get out, go. And yet chapter after chapter, the wickedness of man builds and builds and builds, and yet God is relentless to pursue in faithfulness and love and mercy. It's unbelievable. It should, it should jump off the page. And, and the reason it doesn't strike us is because we don't know our own hearts. We don't know our own bent towards ourselves. We don't know our own inclination. You see, I said at the beginning, the story of Abraham, the reason it's so important is it builds this contrast between who God is and his character and who we are and how we relate. But God does not abandon us. He does not forsake us. But he does change his strategy. He does change his strategy. Before God has this plan, even with Noah, there's this sort of covenant with the world. He's going to bless the world. And now he's still going to bless the world, but he's going to do it through one man. He called Abram. He didn't call his brother. He didn't call anyone else. He called Abram. He's going to bless the world through one man. And that one man is going to grow and become a great nation. The nation of what? Israel. And God's plan is going to be the same. That through Abram and through that nation, they would be a blessing to the nations. That's why Israel was created. They would be a city on a hill. They would receive the blessing of God and they would give it away that the nations around would say, how great is your God? But they didn't do it again. They failed. Israel failed. And so we get to the New Testament and we get to Jesus. And what is he? He's the second Adam where Adam failed. He's, he's greater than Abraham. He actually is willing to lay his life down. He's the true Israel. He does what Israel is supposed to do. Do you see what, what's happening here? In one, ver, in one couple of verses here in chapter 12, the Bible is setting up, is setting up sort of a paradigm for all of Scripture. That there's going to be salvation come to the world through one person. Chosen, elect person is going to bring salvation to the world, to those who believe in Christ. Think about the language. I have a little thing. Yeah, there you go. Blessings and curses. Think about this language. This is to Abram, verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. If you bless Abram, you will be blessed. First of all, notice, I will bless those. It assumes there's going to be many. And in him who dishonors, it assumes one, right? It assumes there's less. Hebrew is really stark. Again, it shows God's heart. He wants to bless lots of people. But if you don't bless Abram, if you dishonor Abram, you will be cursed. Strong. John, I just picked one. There's others. John 3, 36. Whoever believes in the Son, it's Jesus, whoever blesses him will have eternal life. It's the, the ultimate blessing. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God, the curse of God, will remain on him. Abram sets up a framework for us to understand our own salvation. Salvation through one, one man, for many. We see it. Then after Jesus ascends, he sends a spirit to us, the church. And this is where it ties together even further. What Adam was supposed to do, what Abram was supposed to do, what Israel was supposed to do, 
what Jesus did, we're now called to do. <laughs> we're supposed to come together as a community, and we're supposed to say, let's come together, let's talk about the Lord, and then let's bless everybody. Let's bless the world. Let's be sloppy with how we bless people. Let's be creative. Let's dream up ways. Let's use the gifts. There's so many of them. And let's take it. And let's not hoard it off to the side like this, like Israel wanted to do. But let's give it away to the neighbors, to the nations, to whomever, because we were made to bless. We were made to bless. See, God's campaign doesn't change. God's heart doesn't change. Abraham, in this way, as he moves to us, is, is just foreshadowing what we're called to do. Second and final thing, final application. One, we're to bless. As we come together, we're to be a community that blesses. Do you come here on Sunday night wanting to bless others? Do you go to work with your gifts and your skills to bless? Do you go with your family and your neighbors to say, we, if you're here, you've been given a lot. <laughs> you've been blessed if you're in Christ, you've been given every spiritual blessing, Ephesians says. You've been given to give it away. But Abraham res responds by faith, and faith is what we're required of us to do that. To bless, we have to live by faith. Incredible faith Abraham shows. How does that play out? Let me ask two questions here. How do, who's writing this? It's Moses, right? Moses writes the first five books of the Bible. If you know the story of Moses, Moses comes along in Exodus so Moses was born after this happened, so you may have a problem with that, but um, that's, what, that's the way it works. If you believe in the resurrection of a, a dead man named Jesus, then you can believe in a, a human author being di divinely inspired, which is what happens here with Moses. Moses is given inspiration to write this story, but who is Moses writing the story to? What's the original audience? We talked about that with Philippians. Who's the audience here? It's not first us. This is great. I love the Bible. It's, it's, the, it's the, the Exodus community. It's the first and second generation out of Egypt. They're there in Egypt. This is the nation of Israel. God's people were left there. The end of Genesis, Joseph left there. 400 years, they've grown a big nation. 400 years, they lived under pagan rule. They don't know their God. They don't know God. Who does that sound like? It sounds like Abram. They're in a foreign land. And they've been given a promise. You're to go and to take this land that I will give you. And it's a prosperous and a great land. And you know what? God promises to our father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and they don't know him. And so they're in, they're in the wilderness out of the Exodus. And this is the campfire conversation. Moses says, let me tell you, there's a man named Abram. <laughs> and he was scared. and He didn't want to go. He was called to go to an unknown land. But I called him to go, and I promised I would give it to him. And you know what? We are those people. They said, let's go back to Egypt. He says, no, this is who you are. The promises are for us. Let's go take the land. Let's move in. That's the rest of the Old Testament. A scared people with incredible promises to move in to take the promises God has given to them. You say, well, that's great. That's exciting. Learn more about the Bible. My job still stinks, you know, right? <laughs> still have financial problems. You know, my uh, relationships aren't so great. It's ancient story. It's, this, it's our story. It's our story. The people of God 
chosen by God, particular people, blessed by God, called to go and bless the world, to move out fearlessly by faith, but we're scared to death to do it. We face obstacles, we face trials, we face them as a community, we face them in our workplace, we have doubts, we have unbelief. I don't know, the Canaanites are really big, it's kind of scary, I owe a lot of money, I don't know what to do, I just lost my job, this relationship isn't like working out. And so we waver and we fear and we fret and we, we're scared to death. And so we look at a story like this, that what does this have to do with us? And it's our story. We've been called by God chosen in him that's the language of the bible it's the new testament uses it chosen by him to be great in him in christ to be blessed beyond measure and we're scared so he gives us promises after promises i will be with you i will never leave you i will never forsake you he accomplishes salvation through jesus so we have salvation now in part and we have more promises for the future it's one story it's our story hope you can think creatively for yourself about the implications what does that mean for you where are you afraid where do you doubt the promise just life hadn't been good lately i i I don't know maybe it's not going to work out it's the same story of god's people his heart is to bless us and our call is to believe him to step into those promises and to trust him where we are and as we trust him and he gives out more and more and more goodness to us we're to give it away and we're to bless those around us in our city and wherever God calls us would we be that kind of church it'll cost us a lot but do you hear something in the story and there's so much more to say but do you hear something in the story of God's heart he's relentless he's committed He's building his church. We get to be a part. Let's pray.